Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. KFI AM uh, 640. Bill Handel here. It is a Thursday morning, August 11th. As we continue on with the program coming up at 930. It's uh, Mo Kelly with the last part of our Thursday program. Thought I'd spend a minute talking about uh, unions, labor unions. And uh, I've always been interested in labor unions, not only in terms of uh, historically in the United States here, uh, the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory, uh, that was uh, the burning building in New York where women were jumping off of uh, the building because the safety features, of course, they had locked the doors, et cetera. And that is, and that was at the turn of the last century, and it just went up through uh, uh, the um, United Workers, uh, Garment Workers Union, and then you had Walter Ruther with uh, the uh, labor unions at the car factories. And there was a time when uh, labor unions were actually critical because workers were being treated abysmally in business. Uh, oh, the workers were being tra- tra- treated like they were property. Now, property was treated better than workers. And then you had the labor movement, uh, and it was critical and it was important. And then you had uh, the height of the labor movement. Uh, The golden age of the labor movement was basically in the 50s, where uh, very powerful, uh, you had, uh, what was the stat? Seven out of 10 workers uh, in the United States were in unions. Uh, This was where my father was uh, in the, uh, uh, he was an electrician uh, in the electrician union, the IBW, Local 11, I always talk about. And just to give you an idea of the kind of money he made and the protections he had, well, here's one. Uh, They had medical care as part of the union contract. And it was with Kaiser, uh, which I'm still with because I just happen to like Kaiser. But my mother was grandfathered into his benefits when he died uh, because it's surviving spouse. My mother called me, and this was obviously uh, before she died because it's very difficult to talk to someone after they're dead. My mother called me uh, a few years ago and was so upset that her copay went from $10 a month to $13 a month. And she went nuts. How can they do that to me? Because she was so used to these benefits. And when my dad was the union electrician, eyeglasses, optical, I mean, it just went right down the line. Uh, $5 a prescription, $5 for a doctor's visit, no money, it didn't cost anything to stay in the hospital, surgeries were zero, lab costs were zero. I mean, that was the power of the unions. And then there was, if you worked over eight hours, there was uh, a time and a half, and over 12 hours, it was double. My dad once, uh, well, he actually helped build the forum. Uh, it, that's, uh, it was that long ago. And uh, He was, if I remember, it was Sunday night 
where he worked after 6 o'clock, over 50 feet up in the air because he was doing lighting. And it it was like 200 and something dollars an hour. Now, unfortunately, in those days, there were uh, a lot of taxes you can get away. There were no loopholes for workers. But that's how he ended up buying his first house was uh, with, uh, the, with, with money that he earned as a union uh, electrician. So what's going on right now, American labor leaders are, are looking at this moment for some pretty radical change. Where? We're seeing this at Starbucks. We're seeing this at Amazon warehouses where the first facilities unionized. Now, this is not an industry that's unionizing. We're talking about individual shops, individual stores. But uh, it's starting to move. It really is. Polls are showing that millions more Americans are supporting unions and actually wish they had a chance to join them. President Biden is probably the most pro-union president uh, since FDR, since Franklin Roosevelt. Far more than Obama, than Clinton. I mean, this guy just loves unions. Mary Kay Henry, who's president of the Service Employees International's Union, the SIEU, which is represents uh, hotel workers and cleaning people, that sort of thing, one of the largest unions out there, says there's a great reckoning and workers have it, have had it, and we're moving ahead. And you look at the experts, they go, yeah, yeah, there's a lot, a lot of excitement around labor. However, they're saying, hang on a minute. You know, look at the declining membership of unions. Look at the influence of unions. This excitement about unions are not going to turn the tide. Matter of fact, this moment of opportunity could actually already be slipping away. You're looking at the best times have already passed. Why is that? Well, Republicans are uh, probably going to be taking over uh, the, uh, the House of Representatives, uh, maybe the Senate. This could be an all-Republican Congress. With, and, and Republicans are not crazy about unions, to say the least. They're much more pro-business. Uh, also, we have the recession uh, and Let me tell you, the recession makes workers think a whole different way than when right now we have it's it's a workers market. You beg me to come to work for you. Come a recession. All of a sudden, I'm in the midst of unemployed folks and employers can say, hey, you know what? A lot of people looking for work. A lot, of pe- a lot of people out there uh, willing to work for these wages. I know you want a lot more, but you know what? You're lucky to have a job. You've got two stores or an Amazon warehouse uh, facility and a Starbucks. Both have uh, unionized uh, as individual entities. And Starbucks and Amazon are just going, whoa, that's the last thing they want. Why? Because... Well, when you have a union that bargains for all the employees, uh, all of a sudden there's some real power there. And uh, union uh, unionized workers get more money and have more benefits and are protected more. 
And it used to be that, what, uh, I don't know, seven out of ten workers in uh, the United States in the 50s were unionized. Now I think it's three uh, that are unionized, although unions are growing. So here are the advantages of businesses. It's not easy to unionize uh, a shop, a store, a factory, a warehouse. And here's why. Because even though they cannot stop meetings, we're talking about uh, the employer, cannot stop meetings, cannot stop someone from trying to unionize, handing out leaflets even on their property. What they can do is uh, the employers can hold mandatory meetings. This is allowed under the National Labor Relations uh, Act or the board. Uh, This is where supervisors lobby against unions right there. You know, mandatory meetings. You have to show up. Uh, now, you can't fire anybody for uh, organizing or being a honcho and, uh, on a small level with the union. I mean, that's illegal. But here's what happens. They figure out some other way to fire someone. That's easy to do these days. And let's say the employer is caught uh, in an anti-union um, procedure or activity. Okay, So the employer gets fined, small money, and that happens after it could be years or months of investigation uh, after, let's say, an organizer's dismissal, right? You're fired. Uh, I was fired because I'm a member of the union. No, you're not. I was fired because I was trying to create a union. No, you're not. You're fired for something else. And so let's have a hearing that can take months and it just keeps on going. And then you can appeal it. The employer appeals it. So employers can uh, drag out even union recognition when the employees vote for the union. Because not only can they drag that out, then you have the contract negotiations that come after that. And as I said before, during that time, let's say there's a recession. Now, you've got a captive audience because it's a mandatory meeting and it's easy to say, hey, the economy is about to get bad. It's going on right now. I mean, are we going into a recession? Yeah, probably. Look at all the stats. And so uh, the employer is saying, so it's going to be harder for you to find a job. And do you really want to go there? And we do better than uh, anything you can get from the union. That's Amazon's position has been that way for years. And every single attempt to unionize an Amazon warehouse has failed, except the one up in New York. Oh, today it's one in 10 American workers. Uh, I uh, misspoke. Down from more than one in three. It should be 30% of the workers in the mid-50s, as I said, the golden era of uh, unions. And uh, now it's uh, 10%. And government workers are five times more likely than private sector employees to be in a union because, oh, let me tell you, we talk about getting a state job, getting a county job, best thing you could ever do. No kidding. It used to be prior to, I think, uh, the Jerry Brown years or the Ronald Reagan years uh, during the governorship where you had a choice. Uh, You could not be in a union if you had a government job. It was illegal. You had to choose one or the other. And here was the trade-off. With a government job, you're basically here forever. I mean, there's no question you don't get fired from government jobs. The work is easier. 
the benefits are far greater because every holiday you could ever think of, you get off. And holidays you've never heard of, you get off. And so you make less money, it's more secure, you get more benefits, but you can't unionize. Then the law was changed. And all of a sudden, government workers became unionized. But wait a minute. We already have all these benefits not to unionize. Well, guess what? You've just created an employment an employment area, a platform where the best job you could ever have is a government job that's unionized. I mean, now you get the benefit of everything. But that's not in the private sector. Uh, the National Labor Relations Board that controls unions has received more requests to hold union elections this year, uh, certainly than last year, uh, and most of these requests, uh, where do you think they're coming from? Starbucks. Actually, that's the vast majority. But here is the problem. They have to do it individually. And every store has a couple of dozen workers. So it means nothing. We're not talking about an entire industry, a car industry, uh, a manufacturing of airplanes industry. And here is the other issue. Uh, the proponents of unions have criticized the Democrats. Now, keep in mind, it's, Democrats have always been big, big union supporters. We got Joe Biden, who's probably the most pro-union president we've had, as I said, since FDR. I mean, this is serious union support. Uh, and there is uh, an act, labor's top priority, called the PRO Act, would overhaul the rules governing organizing, making it far easier to organize. Where is the PRO Act going? Uh, how about no place? Why is that? Well, uh, first of all, the Democrats can't even get the 50 votes they need. Forget about the filibuster to do the nuclear option and get rid of the filibuster. Uh, so you need just a simple majority. So all they need is 50 votes all Democrats in the Senate, 50 Republicans would be against it. And then you have Kamala Harris, which, of course, is going to break the tie. Huh? They, could, they can't even get 50. And why is that? Well, because business is so powerful. And, of course, anti-union because uh, big business wants to control the environment. And that's, I think it's legitimate. You start a business. Uh, I've always had a small business and uh, I've always controlled uh, the employee arena, my partner and I, and um, I wouldn't like unionization. Uh, nobody does. So the administration has tried, but in reality is, and the, the labor people are not very happy. There's some lip service there where this administration has uh, been uh, uh, has been dealing with the unions. Anyway, just wanted to give you a little update of what's going on uh, in the world of unions and business. Then it's time for Mo Kelly to join us as he does on Thursday. And uh, this segment is cleverly titled Movies, Music, and Mo with Mo. 
You didn't come up with that, did you? No, I did not. Yeah, I, I, no, I if, not. even if you did, I wouldn't admit that. No, I wouldn't claim that. Yeah, no way. Uh, so, Mo, uh, so, uh, Saturday, 6 to 8 p.m. here on KFI, Sunday, 7 to 10 p.m., and his social address is at Mr. Mo Kelly, K-E-L-L-Y, and Mo is M-O, and Mr. is the way you would think it is. What's up with the cool glasses today, Bill? I, it's not cool glasses. Uh, they are very cool. Well, here's the problem. I lost my regular glasses, uh-huh. and I don't have the backups because mm-hmm. I changed prescription. I actually started wearing glasses. And so the only prescription glasses I have are these sunglasses. Well, they look very nice on you. Yeah, I, look, I know. Super cool. Yes, uh, you yeah, do. I know. What's wrong? Embrace the cool, my yeah, friend. Yeah. I, you know what? If I, I could be Ray Charles at a costume party. No, no, no. I don't think so. Well, we could try. But anyway, that's why. We'll it, actually get into why you can't in the next segment. We will, actually. <laughs> You're right. Good point. All right. Let's start with uh, Olivia Newton-John. Uh, obviously her death and then some, you know, I, I just read that in Australia, they're doing a national memorial to her. I, I didn't think she was that big a deal. And I was sort of stunned. No, 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 don't, no, don't misunderstand. I mean, I thought she was great. No, I'm surprised that you would say that because yeah. someone I would say who was best known arguably for being in a film adaptation of a musical R- would be someone who would be right on the tip of your tongue as far as someone that you would well, no, know about. No, everybody knew about her. I'm not arguing that. But, uh, for example, a national memorial in um, in Australia on the national news, okay, and not just mentioning Olivia Newton-John uh, died today at the age of 73, breast cancer, but I mean an entire segment that was uh, devoted to her. And, and that's what I mean. But I didn't know uh, she was that big a thing. I say this as someone who was coming from the music industry originally. She was a worldwide superstar and phenom. Her records were so big that even when she came out with Physical in 1981, it was actually banned on some Utah radio stations because it was too racy and suggestive. She was known not only from coast to coast, but around the world for her music, for her performance and she was uh, when I say she was a groundbreaking artist she was groundbreaking in a lot of ways not only from her lyrics but she was one of the few artists who could do movies music and film uh, um, soundtracks and and musicals all those things she was a complete performer and a worldwide phenom and she has a stunning voice I mean there was no no question about it complete package yeah did she write her own music some I think she did some not to a large degree but some, she does have some songwriting credits for songs in her career. Who who else uh, would be uh, on that level? The only one uh, in terms of entertainer, uh, certainly when Frank Sinatra uh, died, I, I was in England at the time. I was on vacation, and our program director literally arranged for me to go to a BBC broadcast facility, and we did the entire show. And I said the same thing, by the way. I mean, Frank Sinatra known all over the world, but I didn't know he was that this big a thing. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's a great question, Bill, because when I think about the specificity of the type of talent that Olivia Newton-John had, I don't know of someone who was equally adept in terms of musicals and, and movies and live performance. We can talk about someone like Tina Turner, but she wasn't doing musicals. She wasn't doing films in that way. I don't know of someone who was... Let me put it in another context. 
tracks. She has sold as many albums on the same level and range as performers like the Beatles and Michael uh, Jackson. Now, that I didn't know. She is one of the best-selling music artists since 1952 to, to now in the top 10 all-time the world over, to give some context. Uh, Grease, the movie, was the biggest box office blockbuster of 1978. People sometimes forget the amount of reach that she had as an artist. And think about this. She was first diagnosed with, with breast cancer in 1992. So she had moved away from entertainment and performing since that time. Really? She had been effectively had, retired since 1992? I wouldn't say retired, but she effectively pulled back because her focus was 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 more advocacy at that point. Not necessarily performance. Yes, she performed some to keep her career going, but she was not career focused in the sense of performing. No, not at all. You know, I didn't know. I don't know anything about her personally, uh, but uh, I mean, I didn't know her personally, obviously. But uh, I don't know much about her personal life. She come. She came off to me as just this very nice woman who was gracious. And there are some people that I have met uh, who. Uh, have zero ego about themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. One of them uh, that I got reasonably close to was Dom DeLuise before he died. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would see him work, and he didn't understand who he was mm -hmm. and how big a star he was. Every time someone go, oh, my God, oh, my God, look who you are, he'd, he'd be surprised. I hear the same things and have heard the same things about Olivia Newton-John, and as a kid who grew up in the 70s, who didn't have a crush on Olivia Newton-John in the 1970s? She was that big. I suspect, and I mean this with great respect, that there won't be a biopic of her life because I don't know if there's anything really salacious or or great backstory to tell about her in the way that we talk about Elvis or Ray Charles or someone where they had these demons and things that they were also dealing with. Those stories just aren't told about Olivia Newton-John. Yeah, she's just this nice woman who was insanely <laughs> talented, uh, who just rose to meteoric uh, heights in uh, in the music industry, in the film industry. Yeah, that's boring. It is. It doesn't make for a good movie. Uh, that's absolutely true. I want to go into another direction. And this is the kind of stuff I love doing, uh, doing with Mo. Uh, James Franco has been cast as Fidel Castro uh, coming up in a, in a movie, I think, right? Uh, and... Uh, there is anger among, I assume, some Latinos effectively saying, hey, you know what? What are you doing? We yeah. have, uh, you know, we need a Hispanic here. And it immediately brought me back to that Holocaust film that was brilliant, Edward James Olmos, who played a gypsy in mm -hmm. that movie. And I, no one, well, there aren't too many, you know, the constituency of gypsies isn't really huge uh, in uh, the U.S. where Hispanics are. But uh, let's talk about that for a moment. This move to say, hey, if it's a Hispanic role, I, uh, uh, we want a Hispanic. Obviously, a black role has to be a black role, and I guess a white role has to be a white role, clearly. But when you're talking about people that play Hispanics or... Mm -hmm. Uh, particularly Hispanics in our society. What's going on with that? This is a complicated issue, and the loudest voice in this particular discussion is comedian John Leguizamo. And he was touching upon a lot of points. He touched upon the historical dearth of lead roles specifically for Latinos in major motion pictures. And he's touching upon the importance of biopics, which are depicting cultural 
and period pieces to be as historically accurate as possible. And and he's also touching upon the history in which you had white actors playing Latinos, you had white actors playing black people, you had white actors playing Native Americans. And so he's, he's touching upon all those things in his critique. But in this particular movie, you're talking about Fidel Castro, you're talking about a cultural revolution, you're talking about the specificity of the Cuban nation during a particular period of time, and he is of the opinion that someone should be at least Latino to play that role. Here's the response to that. Sometimes being Latino is not enough. We remember uh, Spaniard Javier Bardem when he played Cuban Ricky Ricardo. That was criticized highly. Um, you had Brit Idris Elba, who is black British, but he was highly criticized for playing Nelson Mandela, South African black. You had Brit David Oyolowo, who played Martin Luther King in Selma. So it's not just being black or being Latino. There has to be a, or needs to be a cultural affinity and understanding. That's where some of the, the criticism comes from. So it's not just Latino for Latino or black for black or white for oh, white. Oh, it's more beyond that. It's, more it's beyond Cuban that. for Cuban. Uh, if you know anyone who is Latino, they will tell you that the, the ethnic histories and cultures are so very oh, there's different. there's no question about it. I mean, it's, it's different worlds. Yes. If you go, uh, you know, you've got, uh, you go to Cuba, uh, where you have conservative Republicans who are primarily, uh, that's the, the politics, uh, see how many conservative Republican Latinos there are in Los Angeles. Right, right. Uh, but the point is, is have we reached the point where... Uh, it's almost like it, the this is acting, and so why can't an Italian play a Cuban? Great, great question. Here's how I would respond to that. When you have very cultural, specific movies like a Fidel Castro would be, then I think it requires a little more authenticity. Like, for example, let's imagine Goodfellas or The Godfather with an all-Asian cast or an African-American cast. It probably doesn't work because you're talking about a specific cultural experience right but as you, would but you need italians or not yeah in other words i can't, think i can't, think you would when you're talking about henry hill and that particular specific history of that person and that history i think you would all right well you know it, uh, and, but so it's not one size fits all it's not just having a, an italian actor up top let's take scarface for example with al pacino cubans hated that movie because it was not only it was an ignorant depiction of Cubans and Cuban immigrants, Al Pacino's accent was horrible. His depiction of a Cuban was horrible. And I don't think he spoke one word of Spanish dialogue in the movie. All right, but that's, uh, I don't know if uh, you'd have a movie where there was Spanish dialogue, but, you know, taking that, uh, that particular film. So Al Pacino, horrible accent. Okay, that one I can see. It's like an American playing a Brit. And, you know, what are you doing when the accent is horrible? And then you have uh, Brits playing Americans. Daniel Day-Lewis and uh, Lincoln. You right. know. I mean, just brilliant. <laughs> or um, uh, who is it uh, who was um, in uh, that Dr. Television show uh, that I loved? Dr. Who? Uh, no. No, that's... Uh, that was a joke, but... Uh, no, that's very funny, actually. <laughs> and who's on, was House? he on first at the time? Yes, House. Hugh Laurie. Hugh Laurie, all right. A Brit went to Cambridge... I, I didn't even know he was a Brit until I saw him in an interview. Yeah. Uh, now, is uh, should Americans be upset about that? Well, there are so many Brits, both um, of African descent and also uh, Anglo descent, who are 
all through American cinema now, most people don't even know. Most people don't know like an actor like Chiwetel Ejiofor, um, if you know who that is, is a British actor. And he's been playing American characters for the longest. Idris Elba as well. Yeah, most Bob, people don't know. Bob Hoskins. Uh, Bob Hoskins, another example. So I, I think it so depends So it's cultural. On, it's not country-wide. It's, his, it's, it's cultural. It's cultural. And, and, and the project specifically, whether it's speaking to a cultural history, which brings us back to Fidel Castro, which is – Arguably, very specific in a cultural sense. Now, but John Leguizamo was just asking for someone Latino, and I don't know if that even would solve this. I mean, you have someone like Madonna who played Ava Peron to keep it consistent. Um, there was controversy behind that. Now, there's a Madonna biopic which is coming up, and we all know that Madonna is Italian, but in telling her story, it probably is not culturally overwhelming uh, as far as. Yeah. Italian cultural but history. She's, but she's not Italian. That's my point. That's my point. Right. She's Italian, but her story is probably not right. Italian. Her story is not Italian. Her story is And who's going to play her? Julia Garner, a Jewish actress. Wow. That's my point. Okay. Yeah. And you're going to see, well, I don't know. Maybe you'll see some evangelical Christians go crazy maybe, on that one. Maybe. Uh, that's true. So uh, let me ask you, are there enough Cubans out there? Cuban actors uh, who uh, would be up and play uh, Fidel Castro of a name? Well, Because James Franco is a name. Right, and the producer is saying, well, look, we need someone of stature. This is a movie. This is supposed to sell tickets This or streaming. And so just having someone who culturally or ethnically fits the bill doesn't mean that the project will be seen. So... Okay, and that's that, there's the argument. By the way, our producers, let's say in this case, uh, the producers of this movie, this Fidel Castro movie, uh, I, I'm assuming, that, have they been attacked already, or is this big picture? Or this, someone... is, this is big picture. This is just John Leguizamo specifically. He's saying it's not personal against John um, uh, uh, Franco, James Franco, but he's saying that historically, hey, this is not cool. This is more example of what we've seen in the past. Yeah, I mean, you know, there there are some legitimate, well, I'm not in my view, where it makes sense. Not the word legitimate, but it makes sense. For example, uh, let's say uh, you have a part of a Native American, mm -hmm. and it's a Native American part. Right. Uh, today, you have to have a Native, uh, Native American play that part. Uh, not only for political reasons, but also it makes sense. Right. You can't have Charlton Heston playing Mexican people anymore. I'm sorry. You just can't. You can't have him play Moses. That too. That too. Or Russell Crowe playing Noah from Mesopotamia, honestly. Boy, that was great one, wasn't it? Uh, that was so horrible with an Australian <laughs> accent. Come on, y'all. Uh all right. Uh, Mo, how can you even sit here and have a conversation with Handel? He looks ridiculous. You look oh, ridiculous. No, no, those, those, look, I can't those, even those, do it. Those sunglasses are sexy. Uh, you know, oh, yeah? For every, just Come on now. Know. Give credit where credit's too. I'm going to explain it again. You can go on uh, the Instagram uh, or Instagram <laughs> post at uh, Bill Handel's show, and I'm wearing sunglasses, and Shannon knows this, and Mo knows this, and Shannon is still giving me grief. You look ridiculous. Of course I look ridiculous. <laughs> I'm inside. I mean, when I see people that wear sunglasses around here, I go, hey, it's inside. Do you get it? Subscription sunglasses. You mean prescription? Pers yeah, you're right. Thank you. So hey, Diddy can wear sunglasses okay. inside, but he can't. That's right. And, well, yeah, you're damn right he can, and I can't. Uh, my prescription glasses uh, mm -hmm. I lost, didn't have a backup. These are the only ones that I can actually see. So what can I tell you? I'm wearing sunglasses. And... 
there's How nothing. How many days does it take to rectify that situation? Today, Don't I'm you just go to the, the glasses? Lenscrafters. No, I went to, yeah. that's exactly where I went, to Lenscrafters. And uh, and t- I'm picking up my glasses. They did a great job. Okay, too. good. Plug. And, yeah, uh, no, not really. I mean, they were just, uh, <laughs> they've always been good, though. You know, I mean, you pay for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no question about it. But, uh, you know, you get what you pay for uh, what was I going to say? So, uh, you should get LASIK. Uh, I had LASIK. Oh. And uh, I'm now, for the first time, I need glasses. It again. Yeah. Oh, okay. I need a touch-up, basically. Yeah, a touch-up. All that's, right. That's the way they do it. <laughs> All right. So, uh, anyways, Mo, absolutely wonderful. Thank you. And... Shannon, what's going on? What's yes. on the menu? Well, the Mar-a-Lago fallout continues with the FBI on alert as threats to law enforcement agencies, specifically federal law enforcement agencies, uh, keep uh, going up there. Also, why is George Gascon trying uh, this guy on a special circs case with this carjacking? The Monterey, uh, Monterey Park police officer was not targeted because he was a police officer. He was just going to the gym. What about the guy in South L.A. who was shot and killed in the midst of a carjacking? Gascon doesn't go for special circs for him. True. Uh, just because the media is paying attention? I don't think so. Uh, because he's a cop. And, no, and you look but at, I think he wasn't it, targeted because he was a cop. Yeah, it's know, irrelevant. But, uh, it is, except he was a cop. And we look at that differently. Uh, it is. Uh, it's. It's a different uh, view. If of, you're going to charge felony murder for him, I, you've got to charge it no, across I, the board. No, I understand. How about the 17-year-old uh, that Gascon is probably going to not charge right. uh, as an adult? Exactly. Yeah, because he's four days short of his 18th birthday. That's Shannon and Gary coming right up. Shannon, you have a good show. Thank you, sir. Uh, Mo, thank you. As always, I'm back again tomorrow. We start with Wake Up Call, Jennifer Jones-Lee. I'm here from 6 to 10. This is KFI AM 640 Live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.